Can you feel it, church? You feel the anticipation. Christmas is just a few days away. We're so excited. And you know what we're also excited about? Right now, at this very moment, we are streaming live to Miami Beach campus. And we are praying for you. So excited for you. If you are joining us for the first time in Miami Beach, I want you to know that you are part of our church and you are welcome here and we love you and we are so grateful for you. All of us here at the Gables campus are joining you in prayer and are excited to do church all across our city today. You know, my, my young daughter, who's five years old, anytime she makes a reference to my childhood, she calls it the olden days. I'm like, I'm only 35, my goodness gracious. And so every now and then she'll say, hey, hey, daddy, uh, what was it like back in the olden days? What was it like back in the olden days with this? And I'm like, well, you know, we st I still have color TV, you know, I mean, it's basically kind of the same. But back in the olden days of 1997, anyone there with me? All my, all my mid-30-somethings out there are like, yeah, I remember those days. I tell you what, those days were tough. I'm going to tell you why they were tough. Because if you wanted to listen to a song, you only had a couple of options of doing it. And for me, on my 13th birthday, I, I inherited the old family boom box. This, this silver bad boy right there. That, that's not the real one. Uh, I can't find the real one. It may have gotten lost over the years or deteriorated or something. I don't know what happened to it. But, but I inherited that bad boy. And it, it became my closest friend. Uh, music really helped me process through middle school. And uh, I'm sure some of you probably went through the same experience. But for me, you know, back in 1997, we had to walk uphill both ways to school in the snow without shoes on. Because in 1997, we didn't have shoes. And that's why I told, I told my daughter that. I'm like, you know what? We didn't have any of this. We didn't have homes and cars. You know, we, we didn't do anything like that. It was back in the olden days, you know. But, uh, but back in 1997, if you wanted to listen to new music, you had two ways of doing it. You know, Apple Music and Spotify, they didn't exist back then. All of you younger than 30, you don't really know what real hardship is. <laughs> you know, you really don't. In 1997, if you wanted to listen to new music, you had two ways of doing it. First, you could save your money and you could buy a tape, a cassette tape. Because CDs still cost like 25 bucks. I mean, I, I couldn't afford a CD as a 13-year-old. I didn't earn that much money. Or, or you could call the radio station at the 5 o'clock all-request rush hour. And you could, you could hope and dream that they would play your song. And then when they did, you would push both the play and the record button. Clunk! And you are not that out of FM Soundwave! Let's go! Come on, baby. Is anyone with me? Is anyone like, oh, that was me. That was me. Come on. Man. Oh, man, I remember those days. And you would just anticipate. You, like every song, you'd be like, ah. Oh. And, like, <laughs> and then you would, but it meant nothing was more satisfying as a 13-year-old than when you heard those first notes play. And you're like, boom. And you nab it, and, you, and then you can listen to it anytime you wanted. It was like the best. And then even like for some of you, I'm just now remembering some of this stuff. Like as I think, as I talk about it with you, you know, I, I even got so good. I could time it. Like when I would rewind the tape, I would like get it so good to where I would like, now, boom. And it would like, and it would play almost like I would get it like right on the spot because the timing over, I don't know if some of you are like that intense about it as I was. But, but you know what? Nothing was... 
as a third senior, nothing crushed my soul than when I saw that minute hand click to six, and then the new DJ would come on, and, and I, I wouldn't get my song. I mean, though, when, I, when I think about the Christmas season, I think about anticipation. It, it reminds me of moments like that in my life when I just want it for something so deeply. You know, any of you want for something so deeply? Don't raise your hand because, I mean, this is just the human experience to long for something, to, to dream of something. That's, that's part of what it means to be human. The earliest songs in the book of Psalms longed for dreams. And not of white Christmases either. They longed for dreams of a Savior who would one day bring rescue and restore justice and peace to the world. Songs best capture the longings of our hearts. They still do to this very day. Listen to this song. All kings will bow before him, and all nations will serve him. He will rescue the poor when they cry to him. He will help the oppressed who have no one to defend them. You ever feel like no one was at your defense? No one stood with you? In your hardship, he feels pity for the weak and the needy, and he will rescue them. He will redeem them from oppression and violence, for their lives are precious to him. Long live the king. You know, if country music had existed, like, back about 3,000 years ago, then King Solomon would have been the Hank Williams Jr. of his day. You know, just playing these songs of longing. You know, with King David as his dad, like, he would have been like the Hank Williams, like the, the OG of his day, you know, just playing some of these great, singing these songs of longing. Psalm 72 cries, yearns for a better day, a promised day, a day when the true king, God himself, the Messiah, would make all life new and take away all of the wickedness and all the power mongering of the world. And after this past week, we pray for that. We long for that. In fact, consider how the Consider this, how the wealthiest king, the wealthiest, wisest king of Israel, King Solomon, wrote this song longing for the true king. I mean, it's, it's psalms like this. It's passages like this in scripture that for me prove the validity and the truthfulness of scripture because why would any king, why would the wisest, wealthiest king of Israel say, don't, don't look at me. I'm I'm the king of this people, but don't look at me as the true king. Look at God as the true king. Where else would you find that in this world if it not were the fact that this God that Solomon believed, this God that we believe is actually true? Listen to this. May the king's name endure forever, Solomon sings. And Solomon means God is the true king, not himself. He's not singing this song about himself. May it continue as long as the sun shines. May all nations be blessed through him and bring him praise. Praise the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does such wonderful things. Praise his glorious name forever, not mine. Let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. I mean, you could feel the crescendo rising up amongst the strings that would have played this song in the temple courts, longing for that true king. In short, this whole song sings, I'm dreaming of a better day. I can only imagine as King Solomon wrote this song, he's just, he's pinning these words or scribing or however they would have done it about 3,000 years ago. And he's, but he's, he's singing these words all longing for a better day. When a Savior will come and bring what Solomon called shalom. 
Now, some of you know, some of you may know this word shalom. Shalom typically translates as peace, although a closer definition of shalom means wholeness, means completeness. It, it means prosperity in the truest sense of the term. Shalom isn't an emotion like peace or contentment. It's not something that's just fleeting that you feel. Rather, shalom is a state of being. Shalom has a sense of permanence to it. That as our lives come closer to God, that we experience more of a completeness of God's presence in our lives. That's what Shalom is pointing to. Listen to verse 7 in Psalm 72 when Solomon wrote of the Messiah, In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. That peace that Solomon speaks of is the word Shalom. The apostle John recorded Jesus saying at the end of his life, I'm leaving you with a gift a gift of peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is a gift that this world cannot give. So don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. The, the peace here that Jesus is referring to is shalom peace. Shalom restoration. Peace of mind and heart. That's shalom. It's heaven on earth. God with us. Jesus fulfilled the Messiah's mission of bringing peace to this world. Jesus brought peace to the neighborhood. <laughs> Not just to, don't think about the world. Think about Jesus brought peace right here and now for every single one of you. Jesus brings peace to the gables, peace to the beach. Jesus brings shalom peace to our city, to our lives, to our neighborhoods. Truly, that's the sense that, that's the sense that these gospel writers and the Apostle Paul wants to give you, even when the Apostle Paul wrote this, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The same word that Jesus used for peace. The same meaning behind what King Solomon wrote in Psalm 72 for shalom. God's shalom, his restoration, his wholeness, his peace is here that's what Christmas announces. And my question for you today is what if your dream could become your reality? What, what if your dream of peace, your dream for a better day, could actually come true? What would that mean for you? What would that look like for you? Do you know that when Bing Crosby wrote the single, White Christmas, did you know that this single has sold more than 50 million copies and it's the number one selling single of all time? Do you know that? Bing Crosby. Not Michael Jackson or Taylor Swift, but a guy that goes by the name Bing. <laughs> so, has sold the number one selling single of all time. Do you think that's just some kind of weird anomaly? Like some kind of weird coincidence in our world? Or do you think that this dream of a white Christmas or this dream of some idyllic place just resonates with all of us somewhere deep in our core? And that all of us, when we hear it, we all, we're all just kind of like, yeah, like that's, that's what I'm dreaming of. I'm just dreaming of some, something perfect. I'm dreaming of someplace other than right here. That's what I'm dreaming of. I mean, I think that touches on us. You know, my wife and I, we don't, we don't mind telling you is that uh, 
we're currently expecting our fourth, fourth child, little girl. Very excited to share that news with you. You all are among the first to know. Uh, we're, we're very excited to share that with you. Pray for us. We're joining the family of six club. Uh, and so any, any families of six out there? Like, nope, one, couple, two, three. Yeah, there aren't, there aren't too many. But we're joining that club and we're with you. And so we invite your prayer upon us. We're very excited. But, you know, as a husband to my wonderful wife, who just deserves all of, man, just, I just love her to death and she deserves everything. Um, I find myself at Christmas watching Hallmark Christmas movies with my wife. Uh, I'm just doing my duty, doing my duty, you know. Uh, any husbands out there doing their duty this Christmas season? <laughs> uh, you know, it's just part of, the, you know, part of the contract that we sign on our wedding day is that, you know, I would do this with her. And uh, I don't mind telling you, and she knows this, that they agonize me. You know, I, I value my time with her more, and so I, I sit there with her. Sometimes I'll read, but they agonize me. And I'm not judging anyone who, who watches Hallmark Christmas movies. Um, you know, keep, if, if you like them, keep going. Uh, they, they agonize me. And, but there are over 70 million people a year who love them, and, uh, and there are 40 new ones out just in 2019. And I've seen maybe 25 or 30 of them already. So, But... Uh, I get a, I don't know, I just, I love my wife that much. But, but you, you wonder, like, you know, part of what agonizes me about these movies is that essentially these movies are all about these perfect Christmas people living in these perfect Christmas villages in a perfect Christmas relationship. I mean, I, I, truly. And, and 70 million people strong each year are watching them. And again, like if, if you watch them, that's totally fine. But it makes me wonder, are people dreaming of something? Because I think these movies are touching on some, something that resonates deeply in all of us, in every single one of us. I think these movies are touching on a longing for something idyllic, for something perfect, for something other than what we experience in this world. And if I could just be honest with you, that's exactly where God wants to bring his shalom. God doesn't give shalom, my friends, to after your life gets all sorted out and worked out. God wants to give you his shalom right here in the mess. Right here in the muck. In the junk. I mean, listen to where, listen to where Solomon sings. He, this is where God brings his shalom. He will rescue the poor when they cry to him. He will help the oppressed who have no one to defend them. He feels pity for the weak and the needy, and he will rescue them. He will redeem them from oppression and violence, for their lives are precious to him. Long live the king. King Jesus, Solomon is talking about. This side of humanity doesn't exist in the Hallmark Christmas movies. This side of humanity doesn't exist in many of the Christmas songs that we sing. Or even amidst the, the places where guys dream of and where guys go. This shalom meets us in the vulnerable, hurt, broken, messy, junk places of our lives that we can't get sorted out on our own. That's precisely where Jesus says, I'm coming to you. That's where I want to meet you. This Christmas, that's where I want to meet you. The longing for Messiah meets us in real life places of discontentment and hopelessness. And Jesus is saying, I, I, I want to meet you in your dreams for a better day. 
I want to show you one last song written by an unknown poet. We don't know who wrote this song. Psalm 2, Dreams of a Better Day. Singing, the king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son, and today I have become your father. Only ask, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. Traditionally, musicians sang this song at the coronation day of Israel's new king. But ultimately, this song dreams of what no earthly king could ever do. Part of the coronation ritual back then included the king singing this line from the psalm as a symbol of God bestowing authority upon the king to rule well over his people. The line said this, you are my son, today I've become your father. Which represented God's authority being bestowed upon the king. Tradition says that every king of Israel said these words as they ascended to the throne. But do you know what's so fascinating about this psalm? What my favorite part about this psalm is? These words also appear at Jesus' baptism. Listen to this. One day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. And as he was praying, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. God's fathering presence over his beloved son initiated his coronation day as king in his baptism. Don't miss that. In his baptism, Jesus began his true vocation as Messiah, King, which culminated in the fulfillment of what no earthly king has ever been able to do or can ever do, which is this. Jesus saved the world. Jesus saved the people. And he gave us shalom. No ruler, no king, no matter how good or benevolent they they were, or they ever will be, can ever do that. Later in the New Testament, the author of Hebrews also interpreted Jesus' baptism as his coronation day as Messiah and King and opened his letter by directly quoting Psalm 2, writing this, For God never said to any angel or any human being what he said to Jesus. When he said, You are my son, and today I have become your father. God also said, I will be his father, and he will be my son. Which fulfilled what the angel first said to Mary, announcing the birth of Jesus, when the angel said, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. And listen to this. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel, and his kingdom will never end. Jesus' destiny from day one has always been to be your king and to give you God's shalom. His law is love, and his gospel is peace. We sing this in O oh, Holy Night, and what a night that was, that faithful night. Friends, if you're dreaming of a better day, then what if that day could begin today? What if this Christmas, you change your dream from a white Christmas or to more gifts or to a better 2020? 
And instead you said, this Christmas, I'm going to let, I'm going to get out of the way of myself. And I'm going to let go of those things that I just want to hold on to so dearly. And I'm going to trust that on the other side of letting go, that God will put shalom in my hands. Put shalom in those places of my life that, that hurt, that feels so confusing and messed up. What if, what if that became your dream and God honored that as your reality this Christmas season? Jesus' birth announced God's arrival in this life. No fear, no more despair, for your Messiah has come, the true King, Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. He's here, and we have nothing to fear. We don't have to hide anymore. This Christmas, let's consider how life with Jesus brings wholeness and completeness to our lives as God did to my good friend Barbie. Take a look at this video. So hi, my name is Barbara Cunningham, but I like Barbie better. Barbara's too serious and I'm so not serious. So this is my story of how I came to Christ's journey. It was 2001 and me and my husband were newlyweds and we got a beautiful surprise that we were pregnant. It was a surprise and it was such a blessing. Looking back now, uh, God has been amazing. But at that time, I was a prodigal daughter. I um, was far away from God. And that night after <laughs> much reflection and after the shock of it had uh, subsided, I um, lied in bed all night and I thought about this baby's life. First, I asked God why he would trust me with another life, the mess that I was. And then I started thinking that I didn't want this child to grow up without Jesus or without a church. Fast forward <laughs> about six months and now I'm about seven months pregnant and in my office. And this bright-eyed, bushy-tailed woman named Sia Nufer walks into the door. And she insists almost every day that I should come to her church. And you know, you tell people, yeah, I'll go, I'll go visit. Like they've told me, sure, sure, I'll go visit, I'll go visit. But I never visited. Um, so one day, um, it was a God appointment. We all would go to lunch together, all the secretaries, all the paralegals, just to, you know, have fun uh, for that one hour. But that particular day, and I don't recall the day, uh, it was just me and her in the car. So she gets into the car and she takes out a tape. And she tells me, well, you won't visit my church. So I brought my church with me. So this is my pastor. And she pushes the tape inside and Pastor Bill comes on. This humble, kind voice is playing on that cassette. Uh, so much so that I didn't stop uh, where we were going to eat. We just stayed in the car together. And I finished the sermon and I looked at her and I said, I promise you that this Sunday, I'll go visit your church. And she was obviously extremely happy. Um, but I remember coming here, the first day I came here, sitting by the cross, by where we have our cross now, eight months pregnant, this big, big belly, just sitting there, plopped down on that chair. I asked my husband to come with me, and even though he was a prodigal and he had been far away from the church, just to appease me, he came with me. And we sat there, 
beautiful choir uh, of just the most beautiful music I'd heard. And then Pastor Bill walks on. And just, it was an overwhelming sense of, this is home. And this is where my child is gonna grow up. And the rest is history. <laughs> um, I've been here 18 years. And um, this family has helped my family through the fieriest of trials and through the biggest pains we've been through. And I could never do life without my church, without my tribe. It couldn't be done and I can't fathom doing life without church. And it all was due to a cassette tape to show you that God can use anything and anyone to bring you home. And I think you would agree that it was a cassette tape as the medium, but it was really Sia, who God used to help change your life. When someone experiences that kind of life change, they simply don't take no for an answer. And as a result, a whole family changed. Sacramento, California, sometime in the mid-1980s, a family came and invited my family to church. I'll never know who they, who they were. But their invitation, their courage, forever changed my life and the trajectory of my family. Every single one of these invitations will go to somebody Fear and complacency will keep them with us. We will be that somebody. But Holy Spirit courage and tenacity will lead you to get these invites into the hands of someone who's dreaming of a better day. Who will you invite this Christmas to experience that better day? Right now, there's a young man who will be invited later today by one of you. I believe that. When he woke up this morning, he didn't know that his life is about to change. You see, right now, all, all this young man can think about is success. He's driven and motivated toward achieving all that he believes he can get for himself. He stopped talking to his parents. He burned those bridges long ago. Right now, life begins and ends with this young man. He hasn't stepped foot inside of a church for years, and he never intended to do so again. But something about you, there's something about you that struck a chord with him. Perhaps your compassion, or maybe your just plain audacity to give him one of these and invite him into church. So he politely takes your invitation. He says, thanks, and he walks away, but he can't shake the fact that maybe there's something bigger going on, that maybe something behind this 
might mean more than something that he's chasing. And so he does what he thought he would never do. He comes to church on Christmas Eve. He arrives 15 minutes late, sits in the back. He leaves five minutes early. And he does as much as he can not to talk to anyone that he sees during our experiences. He sits in the back. But he hears and he feels something that he thought he would never hear or feel or experience aside from this illusion of success. Do you know what he feels? He feels the peace. He feels like he's home. What he's really experiencing is a glimpse of heaven on earth. What he's touching for the first time is Jesus' shalom that he's experiencing here in this place. He can't shake it. It's just too real. So he comes back in mid-January sometime. He learns more about this Jesus who loves him. He meets some of you. And over time, his life changes from that point on into eternity because one of you chose not to let fear hold on to this. Right now, there's a young woman somewhere who woke up this morning in tears because she's coming to the realization that she keeps waking up next to boyfriends who only want what her body can give. She's dreaming of a better day that probably won't ever come true for her. At least that's what she thinks. That is, until she meets one of you. And you say to her, you know, this sounds crazy, (laughs) but I'd love for you to come to my church on Christmas Eve. You may not come, but that's okay. But I just want to give you this invitation and just know that you're, you're welcome here. And she's feeling confused. But interested, she says thanks and she takes the invite. And in her mind, she's certain that she doesn't belong. After all, how could a girl like her belong to a church? All she knows about church is that they judge people. And so why would a girl like her put herself in that position where she might feel judged by somebody? But something about you feels so different. And do you know what it is about you? It's that Holy Spirit-rooted love coming alive in you as you share this invite. And so she takes one of the biggest risks of her life. And she decides to come to Christmas at Christ's journey. Her heart's pounding. She holds onto her purse. And she's just waiting for that moment when she feels judged so that she can hop up and say, yeah, that's what churches do. And she leaves and commits to never coming back. But you know what happens that she actually hears about a God who doesn't judge her, but who loves her and gave his son for her. And so she comes back on January 5th, and she gets to know more of you. In fact, she, she can't believe that so many people keep smiling at her and keep saying, hey, welcome to Christ's journey. We're so glad you're here. Here, come take a seat over here. Say, here, come grab a cup of coffee right here. She just can't believe that she feels so welcome as though she actually belongs here because that's what you do. You make our guests feel so loved, and you help people find a home here. Because ultimately, that's what you experienced when you came here. And as Jesus has come alive in you, you can't help but to 
share that with others and help others find their home here too. And on that day, she raises her hand at the end of the message and she chooses to believe in a better day. Friends, these are stories of people that I know in this church. They are also stories of people not yet here. We have two more days to get these invitations into the hands of people who are dreaming of a better day. Your Messiah has come. You have nothing to fear. Your dream has been made a reality. Thanks be to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for crossing the boundaries of heaven and earth to find us. We thank you for going all the way for us and for starting the journey of your kingship in the most vulnerable way that we could possibly imagine as a little baby born in a farm stall fleeing for his life. God, we thank you. We thank you that every time we said no, that you chased us down even more. And God, we thank you for being our true king, our Messiah, our Savior, for fulfilling our longings, and for not just promising a day of peace someday out in the future, but for giving us shalom, wholeness, and restoration here and now. God, we give you all of our praise. We give you all of our glory. Long live the king. In your name we make our prayer. Now with heads still bowed, if you're thinking to yourself, I'm, I've been dreaming of a better day, and I want that day to start today, then would you simply pray this prayer with me? Father, for far too long, I've been going my own way. I've been chasing my own dreams and trying to make them happen, but God, I, I fall short <laughs> every time of seeing what I want, even the best things I want, actually fulfill me. So God, I'm trusting for you to fulfill me. I'm trusting for your shalom to come alive in me. And I'm praying for a better day today. And I'm praying that day begins today as I place my trust in you. Father, I receive your forgiveness and I'm turning to you. If you prayed this prayer with me and you want today to begin a new day where the promise of Jesus' shalom comes true for you, then would you simply raise your hand to let me see you, say a prayer of blessing over you? Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. To my right. Thank you. To the hands to my right. Thank you in the back. To all of those joining us in Miami Beach, there's a pastor there looking for you and waiting for you to respond. For everyone joining us online, there's an orange banner underneath this video that you can click on and someone will be there to pray for you. Father, for every hand raised, we give you our thanks and praise. <laughs> we celebrate every hand raised. And Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would come upon them, light them up 
lead them to you. May your shalom peace come true for them beginning right now in this moment. May they begin to experience glimpses and experience what it means for us to pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we pray for courage as we depart this place. As we take these invites and extend them to others who are dreaming of a better day. Father, would you give us courage? Would you, would you give us open eyes to see, ears to hear? It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out conversation. It can just simply be a handshake of peace, helping someone else experience what we know. Father, give us clarity. Give us boldness and courage. Take away any fear. Take away any awkwardness. Help us live most fully into your calling as we celebrate all of those who join us tomorrow and on Christmas Eve, as we welcome them to the family. And we all give thanks for the fulfilled promise of Shalom and Messiah. In the name of your resurrected son, Jesus Christ, we make our prayer. And if you agree, say amen and amen.